Hi, I'm Megan Skidmore, and this is the Beyond the Shadow of Doubt. I'm a woman, daughter, sister, spouse, mother, life coach, and person of faith on a mission to normalize asking questions and allowing doubts, not only in a faith journey, but in all aspects of life. Join me in bringing this traditionally taboo topic out of the shadows of shame and into the light. I'm a firm believer that we normalize through more talking and engaging in discussion. More talking peels back, exposes, and erases the layers of shame associated with questions and doubts. When we're more authentic about our journey, we are more powerful because shame has no power in the face of authenticity. Beyond the Shadow of Doubt is a proud member of the Dialogue Podcast Network, which is a part of the Dialogue Journal found at dialoguejournal.com forward slash podcast network. Founder Eugene England was a Mormon writer, teacher, and scholar who wrote, My faith encourages my curiosity and awe. It thrusts me out into relationship with all creation and encourages me to enter into dialogue. My hope is that this podcast is an extension of that vision. Welcome, and thanks for joining for part two of my interview with Brother Tom Christofferson. Make sure to listen to part one in episode 43. Today, we pick up where we left off discussing the importance of mutual respect towards and trust in our friends and loved ones as they navigate their faith journey, even if, and especially when, they don't look the same as yours. I'd love to hear your thoughts on this or any episode just shoot me an email at hello at meganskidmorecoaching.com. You know, I appreciate you saying that. Uh, I have um, shared before on this podcast that I have suffered from depression since the time I was a late teen. And um, there have been times in my life where I just haven't quite had the words mm. to express to somebody what it feels like when you're kind of in an episode, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah. It's something that I experience and I know what it's like. There might be others who have had similar experiences, um, but that really gave me a tender heart yeah. and was a bridge for me in realizing you know what? No, I don't, I don't necessarily understand the transgender, the non-binary, um, the Q plus experience, but that doesn't negate it. That doesn't mean it's not valid. It doesn't mean it's not real. And it doesn't mean I need to fill in the blanks for them and tell them what's really going on because I, in some ways I know what that felt like when I have experienced significant depression yeah. and to be misunderstood and not yeah. seen for who I really was or what was really going on in my life. Um, I think that's a really important uh, concept that you share is to just allow for differences and just, you don't have to understand them to show respect, to, to show love, mm -hmm. to be interested and ask, what is that like for you? And yeah. to be genuinely, lovingly curious. Yeah, I think so. Our friend Ben Shalati uh, had a line in his book that I've always wished I had thought of first. <laughs> but toward the end of the book, he says, 
if this book has been meaningful to you and you have LGBTQ friends that you think would just benefit by it, don't go out and, and buy a copy to give them. Go out and spend the time with them to let them tell you their experience. Yeah. Instead of telling you know, I, having them see mine. And I it, do it, remember that. And maybe it's maybe this all feels very um, timely for me at the moment because I I had wrestled with what um, with feeling I didn't want to be alone the rest of my life and trying to figure out the best way to approach that over the course of the last several years even. And as I was coming to a conclusion about what I felt would be best and and counseling with people whose um, opinions I trust deeply, including uh, my local church leader, and after um, several conversations with him. Uh, he said to me, you know, Tom, as I have prayed about the conversations we're having, and and to be specific, it's whether I felt like it was appropriate for me to date again, mm-hmm. and with the idea of being open to what companionship might look like. And uh, so I'd been frank with him about you know, what that might be. And um, and he said, the, the answer I keep getting is, uh, the Lord trusts you, and so do I. So you will tell me if I can be useful to you. And that was that was a really impactful moment for me to hear someone I really admire and, and who I know cares for me um, to say that. And it's, uh, and, and I have felt at various points in this process uh, in, in my religious tradition at the moment, um, yeah. the choice, the preferred choice is uh, celibacy for a gay man who is, is um, not uh, feeling like uh, Marriage to a woman could be a joyful thing for both, which is my case. And um, so I know it has made other people who love me uncomfortable and and people who felt like they understood the story I had told uh, about my family, my ward family and my journey, um, that somehow this uh, indicates a, you know, a lack of faith or backsliding or whatever, or even even more profound for some of them, a feeling that I'm giving permission to other people to... Um, yeah. create problems in their lives uh, in a spiritual sense. And so it's been really, I, this is something that's really hitting me in the heart at the moment, is I don't want to feel like I'm letting other people down or yeah. disappointed in the choices I'm making or how I'm trying to, to move forward. Um, what I, when I feel like what I'm trying to do is have some integrity in the process, personal integrity, yeah. right. and trying to be guided in the in the ways that I can. Um, and I don't want to feel like I'm letting someone else down, but I feel like I have to go where, where I'm in a sense being led. You know, I think that those who identify in the LGBTQ plus community more than any other community, maybe, I, I don't know. I don't know all of the communities and we live in a gigantic world, but I I, I have seen them and, and continue to see them. They're living their lives for others versus for themselves. Not always, but especially when you're younger and your identity, you're, you're still figuring out who you are and, and what your place in the world is. Uh, so I think what you're talking about is really significant and it's really important. This idea, I mean, you were blessed that you had a leader it said, God trusts you. I trust you because not everybody is, has that favorable of a a response, right. right. From their leaders. 
And so I, I, you're, you're moving towards something I really wanted to talk about, and that is having these types of conversations, uh, both within our families and that structure and within our faith communities, because these are people, like you said, these are people that you love and, and you said yourself, they're uncomfortable. Maybe we can talk a little bit about that yeah. because there's, again, this tension of this is me. I want, I want to be true to me, that personal integrity piece. And then there are people that you love very deeply. And this is something I work with individuals as a coach is being okay with other people being wrong about you, being okay with other people having their thoughts about you. Those say more about them than about, you know, me or whoever they're their comments or thoughts might be directed to, you know, um, and that I can allow them to have their path. The hope is that they can reciprocate. Um, I just, I, I would love to talk a little bit more about this, you know, because I believe the only way it can get better is if we address it, you know, why it's hard to talk about some of these things in our faith communities, why it's hard to, raise our hand and be the one to bring up that viewpoint. It could even be factual, but it might just be different from what is generally brought up. Mm -hmm. It's hard. And I'm wondering about your experience. Um, you know, I've, I've had experiences, but you're the guest today. I would like to hear <laughs> <laughs> I'm talking too much. You know, I'm living a current experience with a, a local congregation that is teaching me a lot about how um, humble people uh, love each other and deal with difference. Um, the, there's a lot of diversity in the ward. I live in the in Phoenix in the city. And so their members of the congregation are um, Native American, African American, Polynesian, you know, Islanders people who may or may not even be documented uh, residents here. Um, age variances, most are single, but there are some really wonderful extended families, et cetera, et cetera. So all the all the diversity uh, is present in that congregation. Yes, definitely. And what I and, and it's not um, you know may not be the most polished uh, in terms of how services are conducted or uh, come across or, the participation of every individual. But what I have really experienced in this congregation is um, a willingness to love everyone wherever they are. Uh, it's powerful. And I, and I have invited other friends to, to join me and attend services in that congregation. And each one has said, my gosh, I can feel a difference here that, uh, that these people really care. And Are these friends not members of your faith or just um, some yes, some, some yes, some no? Yeah. Okay, just people that and don't members normally of other go. congregations or uh -huh. uh, currently great. would describe themselves as having no faith, but uh, but feeling that this this was a place where everyone um, wasn't just welcomed but was loved, <laughs> and and there and there are political differences in that congregation as well. So when right. people make comments, wow. uh, Sunday school class is an example. It's been fascinating to me to watch and to, to you know, as a confession here, to have to bite my tongue sometimes. Um, 
and then just to watch what happens, which is someone can express their view, their understanding of how a, a gospel topic we're studying relates to their current life or their understanding of it. And it might not be the same as mine. It probably isn't. And But there's a willingness in that congregation to let everyone share and simply to share that needs to then jump up and refute what has been said. A need for 12 people to come and say, yes, that's right, that's right, that's right. It's, it isn't a that's right, that's wrong. The, the sense I get among this wonderful faith community is that's your, that's true. You're sharing your experience. That is true. And we're grateful for it. I'm going to share my experience. And it's true. And it's not the same. But just this willingness to allow each person to share what, what it looks like to be them at this moment and how they've formed their conclusions about meaning in life and and what that means day to day in the world. Um, so I there I am really I feel very fortunate that yeah. this is my laboratory of learning right this moment. I have sometimes said that um, there's a, the uh, Episcopal Cathedral in town. Uh, Trinity is really beautiful, and from time to time I'm really delighted to join services there. The dean of the cathedral is gay, and sometimes I've said I I go to the church that I believe, and I go to the church that believes me. They're just not the same church, <laughs> but I, I don't want you to take that too literally or seriously. But, but it is there. There is a feeling in, in a congregation, in this one, I think more so than many I have experienced, of just a willingness to suspend judgment and double down on love. Um, yeah. And I wish that was everybody's experience in every faith community. It sounds like your current laboratory of learning, your current uh, faith community is is ideal it sounds like at the very minimum they're just they're validating whatever mm. is shared whatever is chosen by the individual to be made known to the group that it's validated yeah. and it's such an easy thing to do but we often do the exact opposite right you know um whether intentionally or not um yeah. it's really hard for us to wrap our brains around experiences that are so different. I, I would also around. say um, I've been in other congregations where I didn't feel quite uh, the connection. Mm -hmm. Undoubtedly, some part of that responsibility was mine, how much I was investing versus what I was passively taking in. That's that's fair. Mm -hmm. But um, But what I find in my experiences when when I feel I'm in a congregation that has that kind of love and inclusion, uh, the church is my ward. The church is my local congregation. And when I'm in a, in a congregation that doesn't feel that way, the church is its headquarters and all the doctrines and policies that, that feel uh, discordant to me from time to time. And so um, in some ways, I guess, I really love the local experience I'm having right now because it also lets me... <laughs> ignore some other some other things going on because you don't feel judged yeah. those around you are allowing you to cultivate your path in the way that you see benefits or or fits you or resonates with you in this moment of your life of your life's journey experience all of it and they allow me to serve them so they're yeah. they're willing to accept my love as well as give me theirs. 
Yeah, that's so beautiful. I'm going to have to get your your pastor's name. I just interviewed. <laughs> I well, interviewed come, the. Come I will. I will. I interviewed the lead pastor of the Cathedral of Hope here in Dallas, and it was a really awesome conversation. So I'd yeah. love to do another. Yeah. I um I wanted to talk a little bit about this um, an article that was recently republished in LDS Living titled "What Can We Learn from the." father of the prodigal son about love. And I just wanted to touch on this as we're talking about our, our experience with our families, um, particularly those in the LGBTQ community. And when questions and doubts start surfacing for them, that can be a very scary thing for them to share. Um, I know I've read your book and I know that you shared your parents were always loving and respectful and interested in your life we had our uh, challenges i would say especially the first two years okay let's hear it this is this is the meat this is what we want yeah. to get into because i was so touched by your depiction it says a closer look reveals that the central message of this story might be less about a wayward son or a jealous brother and much more about a loving abundant father um so many themes to to yeah. consider in this story um currently i'm hosting a podcast giveaway just leave a review on apple podcasts screenshot it and upload it to my google doc after you review on apple podcasts for a bonus entry leave a rating on spotify the link to enter and to the google doc is in the show notes or in the bio of my instagram profile the thought occurred to me i wonder if brother Tom ever felt like he was assigned the title of, you know, prodigal son or the one who, and I'm not saying you were, um, but it was just curious to me. And, and you just said a minute ago, you said you, everything wasn't rosy. No, it it wasn't instantly perfect. Um, Yeah. There was a necessary period of uh, trying to figure out what the new normal was going to be with my parents, myself, my brothers, myself. in the sense that uh, at the beginning, you know, after I had announced to them that uh, the the marriage had been annulled or, and I was leaving the church, uh, lots of our communication felt really uh, defensive. Anytime my parents said anything about church, I felt like they were, this was code for you've disappointed us or you're straying or whatever it might be. And when I would say something about the happiness I was finding in, in new experience and engagement, you know, they could feel defensive that I was saying what they believed was wrong. And so we really, it took a bit, but we had to get to a point where we could communicate with each other um, about what each of us was finding meaningful, uh, where we were finding happiness and whatever, um, and just allow that to be. It didn't, it wasn't a comparison. It wasn't uh, a reflection on another person's experience. It was just the telling of our own. And it, and it took a while to get there. And, and I also say, you know, I had wrestled with knowing that I was gay for more than a decade before including other people completely in that wrestle. And so, you know, there's a process by which my parents also needed to spend some time figuring out uh, the thing, their hopes and dreams for me that might yeah. uh, happen in different ways than they had imagined uh, and some that might not happen at all. And so, you know, that's, it's just a deeply human process that um, 
that ideally we can go through with all of its pain and difficulty without completely closing doors. Um, I think, you know, in some circumstances, we may need to take a little vacation <laughs> or have a little <laughs> uh, psychological distance or, or physical distance for a time. But but still, I think if we're, um, if we can keep a willingness to engage and uh, and a willingness to believe good intent on the part of the other person um, over time, I think we'll generally find that relationships can really grow and can accommodate new realities and new information. Uh, and that um, I think at the same time, I worry sometimes, especially it seems like the younger a kid comes out, uh, the more likely the parents are because of the need to, to care and protect for a, a minor, you know, the more likely they are to see everything outside as, a, as an enemy or a weapon. And um, because I came out when I was 25, you know, mm -hmm. it wasn't exactly the same thing for my parents. They could right. continue to hold on to their faith in the way they expressed it and understood it and engaged in it without feeling that that was somehow a, a repudiation of my experience. Yeah. I think that's a lot tougher when a kid's younger than, yeah. um, for people to find that balance. But in any event, um, my hope is at least as adults that we allow each other our own ways of finding meaning and peace uh, and not require that other people do it exactly the same way we're doing it or to believe that if you see things differently than i do that means you don't love me no we just you know right. i'm doing the best i can you're doing the best you can and we can indeed love each other even though we don't fully understand right. or see things exactly the same way yeah god gave us two hands we can hold one thing in this left hand and another thing in this right hand that yeah. might seemingly contradict yeah. but yet they can coexist yeah. and maybe they contradict maybe they don't i think what you said to encourage them to go through all the pain without completely closing doors to me that's that's the definition of messy yeah we think things are going to roll out just so especially if we add you know, we if we think this life is a great big bowl of cookie dough and we add all the right ingredients that we're told to add and mix it just so that our result is going to be these, you know, award-winning Toll House cookies or something. And it gets really messy when we realize, no, yeah. that's that's not that's not the way it is. That's not the way it's actually going to happen for you. Um and so I think I think that can be the messy part is allowing whatever to go on, whether it's for you or someone you love, allow that without closing the doors, yeah. without making it mean anything about you, that, yeah. that you're now supposed to believe the same, that right. now you're, you're condoning or not condoning. I, right. I really struggle with those terms. Um, yeah. Just not making it mean anything about you as a parent, as a loved one, as a sister, as an aunt, as a whatever relation you might be, or even a friend, just that you're just having different journeys yeah. and, and I think to come back to love. Similarly, that um, that our, the way we show love can vary from person to person too. So if I want to receive yes. the love someone wants to give me, I don't get to tell them how to do it. <laughs> and that same the other way, like, I'm trying to show my love. And if you don't see that as love, 
you know, then that just means you can't receive what I'm trying to give you. So I think there's a, yes. over time, hopefully, I certainly have learned that, uh, that there are a lot of ways that people want to show their love for me that I've missed originally, you know, because it didn't come in the way that's most natural to me or convenient to me or yes. congruent to me, then I didn't always recognize that other people were trying to show me that they love me. I think about that in in my uh, faith tradition as an example. Uh, well, actually, it's much broader than that. But, you know, sometimes we hear um, hate the sin, love the sinner. Um, you know, that sort of dichotomy that doesn't work in in my own way of thinking about it very effectively. But um, yeah. I, I just think we, um, I think we can be more impactful in sharing someone else's journey and load um, if we're willing to simply let them define both the journey and the load. And uh, instead of us right. telling them what their load is. Um, I, I, right. Again, I just, exactly. I think we can, in in my sense, I think we can ask God to help us uh, be attuned to the needs of another, to the yes. and to be useful to them. It's simply that our great desire in life is that is the yes, first and second absolutely. great commandment that our our love for God grows as we feel greater love for those around us, and our love for those around us grows as we feel greater love from God. So it's kind of that constant prayer of you know, as I feel loved, help me to be useful in sharing it. As I see need, help me to, to know how to at least um, be a part of it. I think we would all benefit so much more if our focus was on the divinity within each of us. Yeah. If it was on, you know, the love that we can have for another versus whether or not we think somebody is sinning or is not right. yeah. following the right path or doing even, what we even think that can, close to. Can, can come, <clears throat> pardon me, from a place of love. I think so many of the people who have wanted to tell me that in the next life, yeah. um, I will I will have a wife and, and be able to proceed and, oh. and where, mm-hmm. you know, that doesn't feel like a great outcome to me. But I recognize that it comes from a place of love for them because this is where they've found happiness and meaning and joy, and they want me to share it. So, you know, again, if I'm willing to just accept the what they're offering is love, mm-hmm. I don't have to see it in exactly the same way. I'd be grateful that they want to that they do feel love for me. Yeah, there's two. There's multiple different love languages, and um, unless you're choosing to expose yourself to what those might be. Yeah. You could miss some things on both ends. I get that. I totally get that. Um, wow. This has been so amazing. You brought up some really important things, some points to ponder. Are there any other things that you would like to share um, others to know about what it's like to journey in this space? It could be frustrations, struggles, just this intersection of identifying as LGBTQ plus and having, you know, this conservative faith, LDS or otherwise. Um, hmm. We've covered a lot of them. I guess the, the, the feeling that remains, um, 
is from recent conversations I've had with with people who are important in my life who are wrestling with a feeling of rejection from their faith community and um, sort of a bitterness that comes from feeling, I loved you and you didn't love me back. And I, I'm grateful that in my own journey, I felt like I, I was in control. I was choosing to go in the directions that were going to be meaningful for me. It wasn't like I was uh, leaving something so much as was I was going towards something. And again, feeling I wanted to keep the best of everything. But but I have been with some people who are deeply wounded by the feeling that the community that they embraced wholeheartedly and tried to serve and loved um, is not loving them back. And in fact, is, is a, diminishing their experience or denigrating the value of what they're going through. And um, so I guess... I don't know that I have an answer for that other than just to say, I hope that um, we can make, that I can and, and each of us can mm -hmm. make more room in our hearts for people who have, who feel they've been wounded, even if that hasn't been my own experience. That I, I just want, I want to be um, more willing uh, to simply dwell in that place, even when it's a place of bitterness, um, than I probably have been. I think that goes back to what you mentioned your current faith community is able to do and create that safe space where when stories are shared, they're validated, they're not negated, words are not put into their mouths, or they don't have others trying to fill in the blanks for them. Um, I think that's a really important step in just just listening. That's how I believe we just listen to each other's hearts and that is a big part of what makes room because you hear and you see that person yeah for who they really are and that's, <laughs> it has been hard for me to dwell in bitterness um okay it's just a hard place for me to be and so uh i guess in, to devote you know to be perfectly uh, open here um that's the lesson i'm trying to learn is how to be able to dwell in someone else's bitterness uh, and just allow that to be. That is hard. That's one of those really uncomfortable human emotions and experiences. And other than that, we've probably said it all, <laughs> at least for today. So the last question I'd like to ask my guests is, what does it mean to you to live beyond the shadow of doubt? <laughs> I can't conceive of living any other way. So I guess it means breathing. Um, that's okay. That's the nature of... I love it. I think is is that there, uh, the doubt is what helps us refine belief. I love it. Thank you so much. Um, yeah. I like to get to know my guests a little bit. I have just a short list of questions. One word answers is all I'm looking for. <laughs> okay. Tell me, are you um, an introvert or an extrovert? I am an introvert who is professionally extroverted. <laughs> okay. My career was in sales and client management. Oh yeah. Okay. Awesome. Uh, what is your favorite book? It depends on what I'm reading right that moment. Got it. Book of the day. Yeah. Uh, do you have a favorite artist? Uh, no, not one. I have lots of them. Lots of them. But um, there, I am looking right now at a at a painting by Walter Raines, and okay. uh, I love some work he's done. And um, behind me is one the side of one you might recognize, which is the Danish artist 
uh, of the angel comforting Christ in the Garden of Gethsemane. Awesome. Those, those are two near me right now that I love. Varied tastes. I love it. Uh, are you a night owl or a morning lark? Morning. I write, especially since I live in Phoenix, in the summer, oh, yeah. I get up really early to go ride my yes. bike. <laughs> yeah. Otherwise, you're going to melt right. or or die. <laughs> oh, you said these are one word answers. I'm failing. Go ahead. Keep no, going. you're doing awesome. Do you have a celebrity crush? <laughs> i was so looking forward to this one I ask it every oh gosh well i just saw uh chris hemsworth so he'd have to be up there okay the hemsworth let's love it okay do you do still or carbonated water or are you a diet soda fan still still i don't know and uh the furthest place you have traveled uh gosh um it's easier to say where I've not been. I have not been uh, <laughs> uh, south of, kind of the top tier of South America. Um, and I have okay. not been uh, in Iceland or Greenland, rather. So I've visited the other five continents. Wow. Um, you set the bar high. Well, it's lots of it was in my, my career. So in my career, I did a, quite a oh, lot of yeah. travel internationally. Um, I don't know. If, uh, gosh. I'll, okay, I, I'm going to answer. Where, where is it I really want to go next? Okay, I like that. I've never been to Morocco, and I really oh, want to go yeah. experience that. Same. Awesome. You're a beautiful person. Thank you oh. so much for your time today. Thank you for sharing you. Your, your wisdom, your stories, your insight, and your love, most importantly. I've, I have felt that. Okay, so. great to be with you. Thank you. If folks wanted to connect with you, what would be the easiest way? Uh, in the back of that first book, uh, That We May Be One, I created an email address, which is thatwemaybeone at gmail.com. Perfect. So you're always welcome to use that. We will put that in the show notes. Thank you so much. Sure. Thanks. Sending you love. Thank you. If you haven't already, make sure to subscribe and follow Beyond the Shadow of Doubt podcast. Also, don't forget to enter my podcast giveaway where first prize is a $100 gift card. To do so, simply leave a review and a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. Upload a screenshot to my Google Doc. Share this giveaway with a friend. If your friend's name is drawn as winner, you both get a $100 gift card. All the details and the link to enter, including the Google Doc, is in the show notes or in the bio of my Instagram profile. Come join me in Hopeful Spaces, a Dallas Hope Charities component of Hopeful Discussions, which is sponsored by Mercedes-Benz Financial Services USA. Hopeful Spaces is a monthly parent, caregiver, and ally support group facilitated by Megan Skidmore Coaching. To join is free. Simply send an email to chc at dallashopecharities.org. Visit meganskidmorecoaching.com where you can find this podcast, as well as additional free resources. Check the podcast show notes on any platform for links to sources cited. Follow me on Facebook or Instagram for more and to send me a DM. To help the podcast grow, please follow, rate, and review, as well as share it with a friend.